morning, we looked over five different things. We began by talking about authority. We talked about how authority from the Word of Almighty God, from His mind, from His lips, that is our standard of authority. And it's based on His authority that we do the things that we do and that we live the lives that we live. And we know that if we do those things, we are going to be able to be successful in this life as Christians. Remember how we were created by God Almighty. How He was Him from the very beginning uh, when He created this world and created everything in it. And thus within that, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we remember that God created mankind. We know that there was no accident. It wasn't just by happenstance, but there is design. There is planning in everything that God has done. We also looked how within all of that, we can also see the love of Almighty God. The love that He has for us in that He sent Jesus Christ, His Son, to die for His creation, even though time and time and time again, you and I, today as His creation, have sinned and have turned our backs on Him. We also know that within all of these things, there are two places that we can end up within our eternal destination, that being heaven and that being hell. And we talked about how those two places are very, very real, and we stopped it there. And this morning, or Saturday, this afternoon, as we begin with number six, I really want to begin on the heels of what we just talked about, talking about heaven, talking about hell, how they are real places. But when we talk about the place called hell, Here's number six that I think you and I should remember and understand. That hell was never created for you. Hell was not created for you. And I suppose that this is a concept that maybe the majority of people in our world don't really understand. Because when people look at Almighty God, generally they look at Him as this all-powerful, this all-loving, this all-knowing, supreme, all-sovereign being. And they think in their minds, when we talk about hell being a place that has been created for people, we say, well, how in the world would God even create this horrible place called hell? How in the world could God create this place and then send people to hell for an eternity? But here's something that we have to understand, and here's a, something that many people misunderstand when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to this place called hell, that if we think about it, it truly isn't up to God who spends their eternity in hell in the first place, is it? You see, you and I, we understand we're not predestined individuals, are we? We're not people who cannot choose whether we are to go to heaven or whether we are to go to hell. Again, that is Calvinistic ideology. If you and I could not choose where we were going to spend our eternal destiny, then why would God say in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 that He desires all men to come to a knowledge of the truth? Why would he say in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that he's not slack concerning his promise, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish? If you and I were predetermined or predestined to go to heaven or to go to hell, why would it matter? Why would God need to show his long suffering towards us? He wouldn't need to, because you and I would already have chosen places for us where we are going to be spending our eternity. You and I know that the choice as to where we spend our eternity is up to you and I as free moral agents, as people who have free will, God doesn't make us do anything. God doesn't force us to do anything in this life thus you and I are in command of our own eternal destiny. If God predetermined where we were going to spend our eternity, then you and I could take the liberty to live and to act as we pleased. Because it wouldn't matter. If our eternal destiny was already chosen for us, it wouldn't matter how we lived in this life. We can make whatever choices we want. We can fulfill our fleshly lusts and desires and it would be okay. 
because there would be no changing where we would end up. But you and I understand that we don't do that. You and I understand that how we act, how we live today bears a great deal, bears everything on where we are going to spend our lives once our life here on this earth is completed. Here's something that we have to understand when it comes to talking about hell. You and I have to understand this very clearly. That we were never created for hell and that hell was never created for us. You and I, as God's creation, we talked about that this morning, as free moral agents, as precious souls of immense value, of immense design, understand that hell is not our home. In Matthew chapter 25, beginning of verse 41, the Bible tells us that He will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from Me, you cursed, and to the everlasting fire. He's talking about hell, talking about the place that we don't want to go. But notice how He concludes this thought. And to the everlasting fire prepared for who? For the devil and his angels. Those on the left, the goats, we were talking about them this morning. Those who are not living according to the way that God would have them to live, they are going to depart to this place of eternal punishment. But notice who it was designed for from the very beginning. It wasn't designed for you. You weren't designed to spend your eternity there. It was designed for the devil and for his angels. Not for mankind. Not for people who were created after His image and in His likeness. And yet, you and I know that it is a place where we will end up if we don't submit to the will of Almighty God. Hell was never created for you and for me. Here's number seven. And again, on the heels of this last point, we also have an enemy, don't we? You and I understand that we have an enemy. There is something out there. There is a being out there that does not love you. There is something out there who does not want what is best for you. In fact, He wants you to suffer. He wants you to fail. He wants you to be as miserable as you possibly can in this life. In fact, He's described for us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 as our adversary, the devil, walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We know that our enemy is constantly on the prowl. He is preying on you and I as Christians, on people who have dedicated our lives to God, and he is looking for every single way that he can to get his foot into the door of our hearts and to turn us away from Almighty God. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning of time, you remember in Genesis chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, what is the word used to describe our enemy? He's described as an individual who is cunning. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. And from that moment forward, He has wreaked havoc on our world day in and day out, even to the point to where you and I stand here today. Yet something that you and I have to understand about our enemy, the devil, is this. He only has as much power as we give him. When I read throughout the book of Job, I think about how he tempted and how he tried Job in ways that you and I cannot even imagine. He took Job's family. He took his children and killed them. He took his livestock. He took his land. He took Job's health. He took everything that mattered to Job in this life. Satan took it and Satan destroyed it. And yet, when I read in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2, before all of those, those things were taking place, you remember every single time Satan wanted to do something to Job, what did he have to do? He had to go to Almighty God and he had to ask for 
permission. He had to ask God to grant him the power and the ability, the accessibility to Job in order to do all of the things that he wanted to do. It's like a child who has to go to their parent and say, please allow me, give me permission to do this thing that I want to do. I think far too often you and I give Satan more power than he actually has. You see, he had to go to, to, to God in order to do anything that he wanted to do to Job. And so with that thought in our minds, you and I have to understand that we too have to give him permission if he's going to dictate our lives. I'm not saying that when you are tempted, it's because you've given Satan permission to tempt you. That's not what I'm talking about. But you see, you and I control how we react within those temptations, don't we? You and I control the way that we respond to those kinds of troublesome situations. You control whether or not you open up that door into your life and you invite Him and you allow Him to come in and to stay. He doesn't make you do anything just as God doesn't make you do anything. Thus, you and I know it is on us as individuals, it is on us as people, whether or not we're going to allow the enemy, our, the devil, to have reign in our lives. Don't underestimate what our enemy will do. And yet also understand this, don't overestimate the power that our enemy has. Here's number, th uh, number eight. You have a family. If there's something that every person should know, they should know that they have a family. You know, one of the greatest blessings about being a Christian is the fact that you and I are able to be adopted into a family. It's Galatians chapter 4 that was read to us just a moment ago by John. When the Apostle Paul said this, he said, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Notice this, that we might receive the adoption as sons. You and I aren't born into it, are we? We don't just get to jump into it whenever we want and whenever we decide to. And in fact, you and I don't even deserve this opportunity to be adopted into this family. And yet, through God's scheme of redemption, through the plan of salvation that God has set in place for His creation, you and I have the opportunity to be adopted into the greatest family that is ever on this earth. I was adopted at six months old into the greatest family that God could have ever given me. And yet, I also understand that there is a family that is far greater than any family that this world could ever offer you. And that is being adopted into the family of Almighty God. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning of verse 22, the Bible tells us that He's put all things under His feet, talking about Jesus. And He gave Him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Jesus Christ, head over the church, thus making Him head over the body. That body is the same thing into which we receive an adoption. You see it happen time and time again. You go back to the book of Acts. You look at Acts chapter 2, Peter on the day of Pentecost, standing up before the, everyone there, preaching about the, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He told them that they had crucified Him, but that He rose three days later, and that He's ascended into heaven. And the men responded there, everybody there. They said in verse 37, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And you remember He told them to repent and be baptized. And you remember how all of that played out. They begin to baptize one person after another. And what happens when you get to verse 47? is that all of this has taken place. The Bible tells us that God added to the church. God added to His body all of those who were being saved. He was adopting those who were outside of His family, those who were outside of the body, into His family because they were obedient to His commands. 
His family is something that is that is special. His family is it's a privilege. It is something that makes us different from the world around us. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 tells us that we've been called out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we've been transformed, not conforming to this world in which we live. You and I have a family as Christians. A family that is set apart. A family that is different from this world. A family that loves you. A family that supports you. A family that is unified. And a family that's on their way to heaven just as you strive to do every single day of your life. You have a family. Here's number nine. You have a purpose. You and I have a purpose. I fear that too many times, too many people in our world forget their worth as individuals. I think too many times we tend to focus on our failures, on our disappointments, and we tend to forget the reason why we were created and why we are even here on this earth to begin with. And I get it. It's difficult sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to look at all the things that we've done in our past and to keep them there, to put them in our past and to not worry about them. And sometimes those things can linger around. Sometimes they can haunt us. Sometimes they can hold us back from being who we need to be And then I also understand that we have to realize that there is something more than our past. There is something more than what we have done or what we used to do in this life. You see, you and I have a great purpose as Christians. We have a great value. We have a great worth. And there are so many things that you and I can do and accomplish for the good of Almighty God. While we're here on this earth, we glorify God, don't we? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible tells us that we are to let our light shine before men, that they may see our good works and glorify who? Us? Glorify men? No, glorify our Father who is in heaven. You and I ought to strive to point every single person with whom we come in contact towards our Creator, towards the One who is deserving of all glory, honor, and praise. While we're here, we glorify God. While we're here, we serve those who are around us. It was Jesus who said that as our perfect example, He said that even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to do what? To serve, and then to give His life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. And so it's within that thought that Paul told us in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but for who? But for the interests of others. You and I ought to be able to look out and to see our family that we just talked about, and you and I should want to serve them in order to put them in a better position. What's my purpose? Glorify God. To serve those around me? How about my purpose is to expand the borders of the kingdom? You and I have the Great Commission passages. Matthew chapter 28. 18-20, 18-20, through 20, we referenced that this morning. Mark chapter 16, 15-16, Luke 24, verse 47, and so on. We have the Pauline letters that Paul wrote all with a great deal of emphasis. 1 Corinthians, the book of 2 Timothy, and so on and so forth. All with great and heavy emphasis on preaching and teaching the Gospel of Jesus Christ. My purpose, glorify God. Serve those around me. Evangelize to the lost. My purpose is to leave an example behind me. Paul said, for to this, excuse me, it was Peter who said this, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us what? Leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. Jesus Christ, while he was here on this earth, lived a perfect life, left us a perfect example, and thus we should do all that we can to mimic him in our everyday lives. 
Paul said we're to imitate him. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Paul told us that Father Paul told Timothy to be an example to the believers. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul told us to be a pattern of good works. Titus chapter 2 and verse 7. You and I must be going about exemplifying our faith in Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we are the example that God would have you and I to be. Here's our last point for today. And then the lesson will be yours. You have an eternal home. When it comes to things that every single person should know, you and I have to understand, never forgetting, that we have an eternal home. When I think about the word home, there's a lot of descriptive words, I guess, that flood my mind. When I think about home, I think about security. I think about safety. I think about comfort and peace and hope and laughter. All of these things, all of these blessings, you and I are able to gain while being residents inside of a home. Your child feels safe inside of his home or her home because he knows that when that child is there, it is there that he is protected and it is there that he is provided for by the ones who are in and over that home. That child knows that outside of that home, he is deprived of all of those things that they need in order to survive in this life. Thus, that child knows it needs to stay inside of that home in order to be successful. When I think about the Christian, he or she has access to those kinds of blessings. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, when we're inside of Christ, we have those spiritual blessings. But while we are only in Christ. We talked earlier about how Christ, His body, is the same thing as the church. And we understand that that church is the one into which we are adopted when we obey the Gospel. And yet, while we think about that home or that family, it's all while, we'll he, while, we, hear me, while we are here on this earth, isn't it? It's all thinking physically. When we think about the Lord's church, we know that according to 1 Peter chapter 3, one day everything on this earth is going to be destroyed. So what more is there, even looking past the church, what more is there? Well, you and I know that for us as faithful Christians, there is that heavenly and that eternal home that awaits us. It was Jesus who said in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you may know. There is an eternal and a never-ending home for that faithful child of Almighty God. There's a never-ending and eternal home for the one who has dedicated their life in service to their Creator. One who has submitted themselves to His will. One who has exemplified their faith in Him. One who is doing everything that they can to be faithful amidst all of the trials and the struggles that this world throws at Him, at her. When they do that, one day they are going to be able to stand before God on the Day of Judgment. And they are going to be able to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Perhaps you're here this evening and maybe you know that based off of the life that you are living, understanding that perhaps you haven't committed your life to Christ, you're not going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In fact, you know that you're going to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. 
Maybe you don't want to hear those words. I'm sure none of us want to hear those words when it comes to the day of judgment. And so maybe you want to make that change this afternoon. You know that you can do that. We can baptize you into water. That water representing the blood of Jesus Christ, washing you clean, washing your sins clean. And you can know you're on your way to heaven. Or maybe you're here, maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you see things in your life that you need to fix. Maybe there's something between you and your relationship with God and you need to take care of that. Know that you can do that. Just simply pray to God if it's between you and Him. But maybe you're here and you want to let it be made known that you are rededicating your life to God. There's sin in your life and you need to repent of those things and you want us to pray for you. Know that we can do that as well. And maybe you're here and perhaps you just need to be built up. Maybe you need the encouragement of your brothers and sisters knowing that your family at East Hill is here and they're going to do all that they can to help you and to encourage you. If you have a need this afternoon, won't you come? Stay where we stand and as we sing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.